blessing to me and uh, my church to be able to come and invest in your congregation uh, and uh, you've taken great care of the Simax and I've no doubt you'll take great care of the Bournes as well and so we're taking the world for Jesus Christ together can you say amen uh, like building I know that you uh, have to move shortly but uh, like what you've done with it in the last uh, year and lots of upgrades and I'm sure that God has something supernatural uh, in the way of buildings for this congregation uh, and uh, all that he wants to do in the years to come uh, uh, should Jesus tarry. Matthew 28 and uh, we want to start out but I only got a couple of services uh, as pastor said Thursday night uh, all of your questions answered all of your problems solved uh, you don't want to miss out on that uh, and uh, invite your unsaved uh, family friends people you work with that have kids uh, and uh, they'll be blessed as well Matthew 28 we want to turn there in the Word of God I was reading about a fisherman he uh, was fishing in a lake called Lake Atter and uh, this um, uh, this uh, lake was there it's in Europe and he was fishing there and uh, he dropped his wallet I don't know why he had his wallet out fishing in a lake dropped into deep water and he obviously felt that that was the end of the wallet they're going to come back again and life went on. Twenty years later, he was again still fishing in the same lake, pulling in his nets. And lo and behold, in the net was his lost wallet. Looking a little worse for wear, but nevertheless, he received it. As we a lady, she lost her wedding ring somewhere around her house. Was unable to locate it, thought it would gone forever. Sixteen years after she lost it, uh, she was growing some carrots in the backyard. Uh, she was pulling out some carrots, harvesting the carrots. Uh, and lo and behold, one of the carrots had grown down through her wedding ring. When she pulled the carrot out, out of the ground, there was her wedding ring um, around the carrot. Uh, and that which she thought was lost forever was uh, again recovered. All of us know from time to time that sinking feeling of things that are lost some more frequently than others lost keys lost wallets lost mobile phones my only prayer is that you would lament lost opportunity lost ministry and lost destiny just as much as you care about your phone but that's a whole nother sermon from time to time, people ring me, and I assume they've lost their church. Because they ring and say, I'm looking for a church. And I'm wondering if you're the church that I'm looking for. And uh, I take those calls. I, uh, I'm pleasant to them. I'm nice to them, and so forth. Uh, then they ask the inevitable question, I'm looking for a church. Uh, what is your church like? And I have an open opportunity just to share with them uh, what our church is like. But rather than me, I guess, describing what my church is like, I'm going to go to the Word of God tonight. And Jesus, in Matthew chapter 28, as He is launching the church, and what every single local church around the world ought to look like, He describes the kind of church... Uh, not only that we ought to be looking for, but certainly as a congregation, the kind of church uh, 
that we need to be becoming uh, month by month, year by year, until Jesus Christ returns. I'm going to preach a sermon called, I'm Looking for a Church, from Matthew 28. Um, and if you've lost one, this is going to be the answer for, what, for your night. Uh, and if you want to become one, uh, I'm going to give you the keys to that. Amen. Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20, Jesus says, uh, came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Let's look first of all at the question, does God have a church for me, a singular, a church from me. I was saved in the Potter's House, Bunbury, Western Australia uh, in August of 1983. In the providence of God, I wound up there on a Saturday night. Uh, they had a movie outreach. They were showing the movie Chariots of Fire, and I went along to that. I was there for uh, uh, about 15 minutes. I didn't see the movie. I was there towards the end of the service uh, and uh, the altar call and so forth. Uh, I didn't answer the altar call because I had been living as a Christian at that particular time, uh, although not going to church. Uh, and at the altar call, uh, uh, evangelist Steve Zapata, who was just simply Steve Zapata at the time, uh, came up and spoke to me and said, Are you a Christian? Are you born again? Uh, uh, do you go to church? Do you believe in God? Uh, and I said to him, which is kind of somewhat an exaggeration, but I said, yes, I do. This is my church. Now, I'd been there 15 minutes, Max. And then I said to him, uh, do you know a girl called Ann Parkinson in the Perth church? And so from Perth to Bunbury is about two hours. He said, the church is large. I'm not sure who she is. Uh, and I said, would you go back, to, when you go back to your church tomorrow for service, uh, would you look up Anne Parkinson uh, and would you tell her that, that Rob Walsh is saved and he is a disciple in the Parramatta church uh, and let her know that. And I don't want to go into all the other details. You can, you can ask me afterwards if you buy me a steak or something, but I... But the very next morning, that was Saturday, the very next morning, I did go to the church that day, and I went to that church faithfully for the next seven and a half years. One church, that church. Then God called me to pioneer a church over in Sydney, and I moved to Sydney in 1990, and I went to that church for the last 30 years. Two churches, 37 and a half years. That's the idea that God has when he built the church, that people would find a church located themselves in that congregation and be there faithfully uh, until God plants them out into another ministry. Uh, God has a church for you. I believe tonight from the Bible very clearly God puts people in the singular local church that he chooses for their life. You say, Pastor Walsh, do you have a Bible scripture? Do you have something to back it up from the Bible? I'm glad you're a Bible-believing person. 1 Corinthians 12 uh, God put each and every part of the body together as it pleases him. Say, pleases him. It doesn't say it pleases you. As a matter of fact, it doesn't say he takes into, your, into consideration anything about you. As it pleases him, the Bible says, uh, now you collectively are Christ's body and individually you are members of it 
each part with its own place and function. So he says it pleases him to take every single Christian, every single convert, and place him in a local congregation, not in the place that pleases you, not in a place where the air conditioning temperature is the one that you like, not the one that's closest to you because that's more convenient for you. He said, I choose a congregation and I place you in that place as it pleases me. Amen. God's describing the local church as a human body. A human body has feet. It has legs. It has torso. It has chest. It has a face, eyes, ears, hands, and so forth. It's a human body. And he says, when I'm building the local church, it's just like me putting a human body together. And I take every single individual person, I give them a specific function in that local church, he's not building a Frankenstein tonight. He's building perfection. If you're meant to be an ear, he wants you to be on the side of the head. Amen. He doesn't want you to be off somewhere else where they've got four ears. He wants to have two ears and they're going to be in this body. The same with your eyes. He didn't put your eyes on the bottom of your feet. That would be useless. He's building perfection and he takes every single person and he gives them a function in the local body. Not some weird science experiment, but a perfect specimen. God is sovereign. God is provident. God is omniscient. God sets the members in the body as it pleases him. You tonight are not here by accident. He's doing nothing haphazard. He's not doing anything kind of with a hit-and-miss, half-hearted way. God's will for every person's life has a postcode. He locates you exactly where he wants you to be. That's this local church. The great prophet Elijah in the Old Testament, uh, there was a season of drought. Uh, There was no rain. There's no water. There's no food. It's a season of drought. Uh, But God speaks to the prophet Elijah uh, And he says, I want you to go to the Brook Cherith. Say Brook Cherith. I want you to go to that place. And if you will go to the place that I've designated, he says that that place, there's a running river with fresh water. And I've commanded ravens to get food from other places and bring food to you at that place. Not any place, not a closer place, not a nicer place. That place. And as the prophet Elijah went to that place, sure enough, God fed him, God nourished him, God refreshed him because he was where God wanted him to be. All genuine biblical Christianity involves a local church, a specific place, a specific pastor where we make a choice to submit ourselves to God's hierarchy of authority in the local church And it also involves a specific people that you have to learn to get along with. If what I've said is just true, then that's a a place with a pastor. And there's also people that you just have to learn to get along with. No drifters in the body of Christ. No rolling stones in the body of Christ. No floating kidneys in the body of Christ. You have to be in the place where God wants you to be and get along with the people that God wants you to get along with. 
How many people have left the place that God wanted them to be uh, because they had a bit of a beef with somebody? Work it out. <laughs> Settle the issue. I'm going to have to resolve. I'm going to have to work this out. It's no accident that the fruit of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. They're all people skills. And God says, listen, if I'm going to place you there in the place that pleases me with people that you don't always naturally get along with, you're going to, leave some, you're going to need some love, joy, patience, long-suffering, people skills. That's the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit have no reference points for people that sit at home in their lounge chair wearing their underwear watching church services live stream. What's the point of the fruit of the Spirit when you're there just by your lonesome self? God sets the members in the body as it pleases Him. Does God have a church for me? Yes, He does. Uh, this is it. There's a second thought. What is that church? Like I said, people call me from time to time. We have a website. They see us. They're in the area, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, do you have a, uh, you know, do you have a crash? Do you have a, a, a nursery for children? They don't ask me about doctrine or anything you know, important, but do you have a place where I can put my kids? They're annoying me no end. I want to come and have some peace and quiet for an hour and a half, you know. Yes, we have a crash. Do you have any children's ministry? Yes, we have stuff for children. What kind of music do you have? Christian music, you know. I want to say, you know, oh, we sound like the Brooklyn Tabernacle, actually. Oh, really? No, I'm just kidding you. We sound like a cross between thrash metal and Dolly Parton. And uh, that's, that's the way. It is. And we like it that way. Do you have any youth ministry? It's like, how about you just come along for a little while, see what we've got. We've got a youth ministry. And in my mind, I'm thinking, they just want to drop the kids off on a Friday, the teenagers off on a Friday night, go to the pub and get drunk, and then blame the church when their kids aren't living for a God when they turn 18. I'm pleasant to them. I'm a nice guy. I'm very pleasant to them. But I want to look at what Jesus says, the kind of to build. And our text is very, very specific about the kinds of things that are important to Jesus Christ, the church that he is building and the church that we are becoming. The first thing he speaks about here is the preeminence of evangelism. Verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. I've got to tell you, I've been pastoring for 30, uh, uh, 34 years. I've never had anybody ring up and say, Pastor, Pastor, I'm looking for a local church whose preeminence is in evangelism. I've never had that. And yet when Jesus says the kind of church I'm building, that's the first thing on his mind. Is I want them to be evangelizing and winning the lost to the Lord Jesus Christ. A casual look at, at any Potter's House calendar is it's not filled with entertainment for the unenthusiastic it's not filled with more bread for the overfed you look at the local church calendar uh, january uh, uh, impact team at uh, january 
uh, outreach, uh, January impact team. We look over here in February, uh, uh, lucky I picked the right calendar, but it's got outreach, it's got city outreach, it's got impact teams. Uh, on the back notice board there, you've got three impact teams in March. You've got overseas impact teams. It's outreach and evangelism. That's exactly the way it ought to be. Well, we're doing too much outreach. You can't do too much outreach. Street outreach, the gospel outside the four walls of the church, every single church service, an altar call. And man, we have a donut night, it's altar call. We show a movie, altar call. Children's ministry, altar call. Whatever, we're altar call. Show a bad movie, desperate for an altar call. We send teams of disciples, impact teams to other churches. You know, the church is the only organization in the world that specific function is to serve the needs of those people not yet in the church. We take care of the church. We try to provide ministry. We want people to you know, live for God, be disciples, make heaven their home. But we it's primarily not for us, but for the rest of Onihunga, the rest of Auckland, New Zealand. It's not just what the church does corporately, but a culture built on what every single individual member of the church does personally. Are you a soul in it tonight? Is that part of your goal for 2020 that I want to win somebody to Jesus Christ, see them discipled, and they're winning somebody else to Jesus Christ? It's what we're all meant to do personally. You know, my personal uh, testimony involves, uh, uh, before I got saved, I was a bar manager. I worked in a place called Dorado's. You know, not, not the Olive Garden or uh, some other, but the Desperados, and that's exactly the clientele that we drew. And uh, we were the number one trouble spot in Perth uh, at the particular time, and so it's Desperados, and I'm a desperate lunatic working at Desperados, uh, dealing with desperate other lunatics. But every Tuesday morning, I would have to go into the, to the, to the, to the, uh, to the tavern there. Sometimes I'd just sleep on a couch overnight there uh, to, uh, to inebriated to get home. But I'd just sleep on the couch there. And at 9 o'clock on Tuesday morning, a person came in from a company called Leisure and Allied. And it was their job to collect the 20-cent coins out of the Space Invader machines. Nobody is old enough to remember them, them. But anyway, back in the day, these were high class state-of-the-art stuff and so he would come in and collect the 20 cent coins out of these space invader machines and so it turns out he is a disciple in the potter's house in perth he's a bible study leader and he is a drummer in a band and every tuesday morning he comes in and it's just him the christian and it's me the loser in the building for about an hour every tuesday now, you would think he would be all over me with a witness like white on rice. Can you say amen? But no, he wasn't. Tuesday after Tuesday, week after week, month after month, no mention of God, no mention of church, no mention of sin, no mention of conversion, nothing, because while his church believed in evangelism, he certainly didn't personally. Thank God he was sick one week. And they sent a replacement out who was also a disciple in the Potter's house in Perth. He was also a Bible leader and a band member. 
he came in one Tuesday morning and the moment he saw me, he just saw fruit. He saw sin, he saw debauchery, he saw insanity, he saw loser. Once he collected the 20 cent coins out of the machine, he came up to me and he had a track on him like all good disciples do. Like all the good disciples do. He had a concert card and he says, can I invite you out to a gospel concert? Now, I, you know, I, I was probably a little more imposing in my looks back then than I am today. But it's like he, it was, there's was no chance in his mind of him leaving the building without approaching me and inviting me out to a concert. He passed me the flyer. I kind of paused. Thanks for that. Put it in my pocket. He left the building. I went home and spoke to my girlfriend, Anne, and said, would you like to go out to a gospel concert? Her eyes lit up. Cut a long story short. Uh, she got saved. Uh, I got saved. We got married. And, and obviously we're here today. But I'm here today. Why? Because somebody believed in personal evangelism. Thank God the first bozo got sick that day. church you're looking for tonight is has the preeminence of evangelism uh, and the church we're trying to build is filled with people every one of us uh, that make it their aim to win somebody else to Jesus Christ at every possible opportunity the second thing the Bible says is an insistence on changing lives verse 19 he says uh, making disciples verse 20 teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you uh, He's looking for people who not just get saved, uh, but their life is changing service by service, uh, and they're looking more and more like Jesus Christ. Not just get saved and come to church. Not just get saved and take on the name Christian. Not just get saved and become a believer, a person of faith, which is my personal uh, uh, worst statement. I'm a, I'm a man of faith. Are you a disciple is the question. The word Christian appears one or two times in the Bible. The word believer a couple of times. The word disciple over 300 times because the only valid description for a convert to Jesus Christ is they become a disciple, a learner, a follower, an apprentice. They're becoming more and more like Jesus Christ every single service. Discipleship is the very heartbeat of all that is Christianity in the Bible, not just deliverance where God does the heavy lifting, but dominion where you do the heavy lifting. I was raised a Catholic as a standard, ordinary run-of-the-mill Catholic, I would spend about an hour and a half or two hours if, uh, if Father O'Sullivan raved on a bit. And uh, I'd spend an hour and a half or two hours in the Catholic church uh, each week, uh, and then I'd spend 166 hours living for myself. Are there any ex-Catholics in the building? That was you too before you, you sneer at me. Uh, and so uh, a small part of my life was, was, you know, in a sense Catholic, and the rest was just me. That's not Christianity. One of our pastors was preaching a revival, and a guy came forward. He got saved. He was, he was wanting to get, to get prayer for healing. And the pastor says, are you, are, you, are you saved? 
And this man said, I'm top saved. Excuse me? Well, I'm top saved. And I'm assuming he meant that he's saved from the waist up. Well, powerful. But see, that's the way that many people convince themselves that they're a Christian when they're really not disciples. Disciples is 24-7, top and bottom, all of you living for Jesus and changing as time goes by. It's the preeminence of discipleship. We ought to go to a church where people repent and change, and those unwilling to repent and change are asked to leave the church, and the church supports the pastor when he has to do that. That's the church the Bible speaks about. I didn't get a lot of amens there. That's the church. Because we're meant to be disciples. If somebody comes along, we give them a chance to live for God, give them a chance to get their teeth into the things of God. and then. But if they're just going to come along and live a sinner lifestyle and come and make themselves feel good by being in church, we owe it to them. To let them know, listen, you're kidding yourself. You're delusional. You're not going to heaven. You need to repent and live for God. We had a story about a female American football commentator. And uh, the article was about how she had caught her boyfriend out cheating on her. And uh, she said that we had, uh, they had, her and her boyfriend had bought themselves Fitbits and had synced the Fitbits to their app and to see who was exercising and so forth. And so she says one night her boyfriend didn't come home. And uh, the next morning when she woke up, he wasn't home. And so she looked on the app at his bit and uh, record. And uh, she noticed there was a spike in his heart rate about 4 a.m. in the morning. I assume he's went for a run or something, you know. <laughs> anyway, she says, I caught my boyfriend out but that's not the story but the story goes she says that's not the first boyfriend I've caught out this is where it got to got my attention she said these words she says I was staying at my boyfriend's house overnight so we could go to church together the next day I thought is that allowed in some churches you could just live with your boyfriend and go to church like nothing's happening? Not a Bible church. But she says, I stayed overnight at my boyfriend's house and we go to church the next day. Uh, uh, he went out that night, got drunk, came home with another girl, forgetting that I was there, uh, and uh, I caught him out. So she's a, she obviously needs to get saved really quickly because she's got massive problems. But the idea is, I'm I'm staying because we want to go to church together. Well, not a Christian church, not a a Bible church, not a disciple-making church, not the kind of church that Jesus wants us to build. It's a discipleship church. The whole New Testament from Romans to Revelation is written to congregations challenging them about certain attitudes, certain behaviors, certain lifestyles, and then commending them when they have those things. And that means it doesn't matter if the whole church world is doing something that's not in this book. That's not acceptable in a Jesus church. The 
church you ought to be looking for. Amen. There's a third thing. It's not just the preeminence of evangelism. It's not just the insistence on changing lives. It's the presence of the authority and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Verse 18 and 20, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. The church you're looking for and the church that you're looking to become must have testimonies of conversions, of answered prayer, of miraculous power and confirmations that God is truly at work in your midst beyond the normal or beyond the natural. It's a supernatural church. I often think about some of these, you know, what would be called mega churches where, uh, you know, and I want have they ever seen a convert? <laughs> have they ever seen a, a, a drug? I mean, they just, I don't think a drug addict would make it in the door. Have ever seen a genuine convert of somebody who comes in unsaved, lost in sin, that gets converted with the power of the Holy Ghost? I doubt it. Ephesians 6.12, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Paul is saying there are things that we're fighting against that, that your most Herculean personal efforts and willpower are not going to conquer. Your best efforts on your best day are not going to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. We must have the power of the Holy Ghost. Can you say amen? Spiritual battles require spiritual help. You're looking for a church with the power of God. When I first got saved <coughs> in the Potter's House in Bunbury, uh, got married, were a couple in the church there, and there was a revival in the church down the road in Bustleton. And this is probably back in about um, something like 1983, 1984, before your parents were born. Uh, and uh, uh, we went along to this, uh, this revival service with Pastor John Gooding, and a couple of lesbians walked into this uh, small country church uh, and, uh, you know, answered the altar call and went forward and got saved. And, uh, you know, we're talking nearly 40 years ago. This is a big deal. You know? It's not common uh, like it would be more today. But uh, they walked in there. They're obviously, uh, uh, obviously lesbians. Uh, and they got saved. And Pastor Gooding said, I want you to come back tomorrow night uh, and we're going to pray for deliverance against uh, sexual sins uh, and uh, I want you to write he said I want you to write down all the kinds of things you've been involved with we're going to break the curse of that so the next night I'm back looking for what's going to happen you know? so we're back there me my wife and I and so the, sure enough these two girls come along and uh, I mean they had so he brings them at the front end of the service uh, and one of them had a one of these like a flip pad and so uh, she'd written on the front page the next page and the next page. The other one had like a spiral thing. It's just like over and over and over. And uh, Pastor Gooding uh, led them through a prayer of repentance and acknowledgement of their sin and breaking the curse of whatever was on those pages. Right there in the service. Uh, and uh, one of those girls is a personal friend of mine. She's a pastor's wife. She's pastoring today. 
Because in a potter's house, there's the power of God for conversion. Homosexuals, drug addicts, stupid people, <laughs> losers like myself, you know. Power of God is there, and we're contending for miracles because that's the kind of church that Jesus Christ is building. I close one final thought. There's what should I do now? Well, I'm glad you asked. Number one, you ought to make a decision about this being your local church. There are some people, they can come to our churches for months and if not years, and they've never settled the issue that God has a local church for them, and it's likely to be that church. And uh, they wrestle, they obfuscate, they, uh, they procrastinate, uh, and they never get the traction forward because they've never really made up their mind. That's where God wants them to be. Uh, so my challenge tonight is uh, God has a place for you. Uh, God has a pastor for you, and God has a people for you. And if you know that that is this place, just settle the issue. Up problems in any one of those three hours, just work it out. Get yourself grounded, get some roots down, get some traction moving forward, and see what God will do. Because until you settle the issue, you're never going to progress and be what God wants to be. So number one, make a decision about your local church Number two, make a decision about your ministry in the local church. As uh, God is building the Bible, building the body of Christ, just like your body, you can survive without certain parts of your body not present or not functioning properly. But for your body to function at its best, you want every part of your body just as God designed it to be working at 100%. And so if God's building a local church, whether it's got 10 people or 100 people or 1,000 people, every single person that God places in that local congregation has a place of involvement, a place of service, a place of dignity, a place that they're required to function at their best every time the doors are open. Otherwise, the church is handicapped. It's limping along. It's, not, it's got something missing, uh, and you're trying to you know, get the thing moving, but uh, well, the, you know, the, our, our arms didn't turn up tonight, Pastor. No arms. Okay, well, we'll just, you know, I guess we'll just, you know. <laughs> Pastor, no legs. Well, just drag them in and... You know. <laughs> God wants you here every service. He wants his body the way he designed it to be. Every service, every person finding their place and doing their part. Alice Ettel is in the Guinness Book of Records as the longest ever local church piano player. Alice Ettel started playing the piano at the Methodist Church in Attica, Ohio, in 1935, and she played at the piano every service for the next 80, 188 days, if you're counting, before she went home to her reward. I have no doubt if Alex Ettel is a normal human being, there would have been times she didn't feel like practice. 
There would have been times where she was playing music that perhaps she didn't, you know. I mean, when you start when you're younger, it's at the end of your, you know. She probably outlived, I guess, about four pastors. Pastor comes in, lives, dies. Another one comes in, lives, dies, and she's still playing away. She probably outlived about four pastors. She probably, you know, outlived about ten song service leaders. I mean, who knows? All you know, piano, other people there. I mean, she's got to get it you know, year after year, week after week, but 80 years. Because she understood what I'm preaching tonight. God had placed her there. God had given her a function. And no matter what else happened, that's where God wanted me to be. And I'll have to just deal with whatever issues come my way because that's the place that God has for me. Are you looking for a church tonight? Let this be your church. And if this is your church, you become the kind of church that Jesus wants you to be. Let's all, uh, let's uh, bow our heads tonight. We're going to pray.